You are listening to Stand Out on LinkedIn, indispensable truths, tools, and tips, a show designed specifically to help you stand out. I'm Colleen McKenna, your host. I'm the author of It's Business, Not Social, and a longtime blogger, speaker, LinkedIn trainer, and coach. It's Business Not Social is our philosophy and method designed to help you stand out on LinkedIn. This podcast is for everyone looking to maximize their brand, network, career, and business initiatives. Meaning, finding a job, hiring, selling, and marketing. That pretty much includes most people. I will be talking with the experts on our Intero advisory team, outside experts whose insight I value, and sometimes it might just be me. Whatever the format, the goal is to get you closer to gaining traction and being a standout on LinkedIn. Let's dive in. Welcome to Standout on LinkedIn, indispensable truths, tools, and tips. I'm Colleen, your host. Standout on LinkedIn is brought to you by Intero Advisory, the leader in LinkedIn branding, sales, and recruiting enablement. Today, Sarah and I talk about more of our favorite marketing tools and our content process. Everything that we talk about on these podcasts are really the indispensable tips, tools, and truths that we use to help us stand out and help our clients stand out. For those of you who don't know Sarah Bentley, she's Intero's marketing strategist. Sarah works directly with clients on branding, content, and outreach via LinkedIn. She has marketing and sales perspective, loves to create, and appreciates both words and imagery. She's always thinking, diving into new tools, and definitely indulges me on my ongoing pursuit of the right app, the cool, shiny object, all of those good things. Sarah lives on the eastern shore of Maryland, loves a good Peloton workout, has mastered walking on a treadmill while working and taking care of her dachshund named Gus. And right now, Sarah's in, it's May of 2021, a 100-mile pursuit raising money for CHOP, Children's Hospital of Pennsylvania. More on that probably um, in one of our other posts, right, Sarah? I don't know if you have a post for that, but we should probably do that. We're all walking, running, cycling 100 miles this month for CHOP. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you, Colleen. So today, I thought we would dive into our content process. In our last episode, we talked about some of our favorite tools. And now I think we can talk about some some more of those favorite tools, but just how they apply to how you think about content. And I just want to say, Sarah was with us for over a year. She left. And wow, our content became sort of a hot mess. We did we did the best we could. But what we learned is that somebody really needs to focus on it. We needed a champion. Sarah was our champion. We were so delighted to have Sarah rejoin Intero and has taken that back under her wing. And I think our content is stronger than ever. It's really part of the reason I paused the podcast in 2020. It was just way too much. So Sarah, first speak to having one person kind of be the champion of content for a company. Yeah, I will say it's definitely easier for me to pace myself and to kind of absorb all of the new trends, um, what I'm seeing 
in terms of engagement or response on posts. And I think it's just easier for me to manage all of the platforms. And I like to be kind of organized and process oriented. So I um, do everything kind of ritualistic whenever I'm working. So I, I have a start and end for every project. But I will say it's definitely nice to have people on the team contribute as well, because sometimes my brain is just like, what do I write about? Like, where do I go with this? What do I do now? Um, so having them always contribute and give me ideas or contribute on the quick tips, the tutorials is also great too, because they have different levels of expertise that I lack in some areas too. So they kind of help me where I lack, but it also keeps me going and it keeps me on a good schedule and a good process. So let's just kind of um, dive into that a little bit. So you're responsible for all of Intero's clients and, or most of Intero's clients where you're managing content, all of Intero. Yeah. That doesn't mean though for Intero, you're creating all of the content. So you just said you have people contributing. So how do you, how do you roll that out so that you know you always have content and that'll bring in a couple of our tools that we use? So talk about how you have brought people into the process so it's not all on you. Yeah, so I think we kind of saw a need to put our money where our mouth is, for lack of a better word, um, in terms of posting all of the time, making sure we're active on LinkedIn and other social channels to kind of spread awareness, but also spread our expertise. A lot of our content is has been built over the years, but we just need to get it out there and, and make sure we're, we're purposing it the right way. So we decided kind of to put it into Airtable and create a content calendar so that we could track and then everyone can contribute through there. So through Airtable, I created um, a calendar layout that actually shows like a calendar, the content for the month. And I redo it every month. It, it looks exactly the same every month. Nothing really changes. And I structured it so that on the odd weeks, that's when we typically do a strategy blog. And on the even weeks, we do tutorials or those video walkthroughs that you've seen us release. And then um, I kind of supplement the other days around that with breaking down the tutorial walkthrough in a blog so that people who um, maybe don't have the, the time to watch a video or they, they want to read it rather than hear the sound out loud, they have another way to take in that content. And they also have the ability to watch the video again um, to see it in another area in case they missed it. And then around our strategy blog and also around our video weeks, we also do quick tips. So um, in Airtable, I kind of laid that all out. And then I did two separate tabs um, that look just like an Excel spreadsheet. But what they do is they are set up so that our team can come in, they can sign up for their day on the calendar, and then they can go to the respective tab. And in that tab, they can write out their quick tip. Um, they can put their tutorial link in there once it's finished under that tab. They can tell me what it's about. They can give insight, let me know if there's anything else they want added to the post. So it's a really great way for our team to just quickly contribute, but also keep it all organized to make sure we're on schedule and that everyone has their content in on time. So I'm not scrambling last minute to be like, oh, where's your content? We need it this week. Um, so it's really great. Everyone's been super diligent on getting it done at the right time. And I think that Airtable, the space just keeps everyone organized, but accountable as well. That's great. Airtable we use in so many different ways, but creating a content calendar through Airtable or any other tool that 
you might be using is really, really helpful because somebody needs to see the overarching um, scope of the content that's being created, I think. And it's also easy to go back in and say, oh, you know what, we've done a number of posts in, on this particular topic maybe we need to refocus, right? So I think it gives us a really good understanding. We also, one of my favorite um, WordPress plugins is the plugin, I don't know its exact name, but it lets you download all of the blog posts that we've posted on the website over the years, yeah. which I think is kind of helpful because we also have the issue of going back in and having to update some of the content. So unlike many companies who are creating, writing blog posts and creating content, and it's mostly evergreen, a lot of ours is not always evergreen. Strategy certainly is, but those how-tos definitely are not, right? right? So sometimes you need to find easy ways to go back in, do a website audit, look and see what's happening with the blog posts. You or broken links, you might be linking to something and you have broken links and it's definitely not helping on the website side. So I do digress there, but I think that that's important. You've got to capture all of this content, these posts in different ways to analyze them, make sure they're up to date and Airtable works for us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things, um, and I want to just kind of talk a little bit more about content and what you're seeing, but one of the things that I notice a lot is that most people, a lot of companies, their blog posts are really coming from the marketing, right? It, it, there's no byline, if you will. And one of the things that we've done from the very beginning, and I kind of, I, I don't know if this was strategic, but I really felt like it was important that our blog posts were coming from individuals, whether that's you or me or Jim or Sydney or Liza or Meredith or whomever was on the team writing that particular blog post. Rather, so it came from a person mm -hmm. at Intero Advisory rather than marketing at Intero Advisory. Right. And when I'm working with clients, I'm often like, well, who wrote that blog post? Oh, I wrote it. I'm like, well, how come it doesn't have your byline on it? You know, or it, that people can tell because it helps individuals build their personal brand and their level of expertise. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's important to kind of show who's working at your company to show their level of expertise too, because, you know, all of us, like I said before, we have such a different, like so many people have different um, specialties. They spend different times in different parts of LinkedIn. I'm kind of all over the place, but that makes me a little bit more broader. I'm not as dialed in as Liza and Meredith and Sydney are in Sales Navigator. So they're, the depth of their expertise in that area is, it's just huge. So I think that there's different different strengths that can be tapped into if you're um, really kind of having it come straight from the source and not just putting it as a general coming from your website. I think also, too, what's really important whenever you're writing these blogs, especially our strategy blogs, is that everyone has different stories. They interact with different people and they have different insight and different outlooks. And so whenever you're having um, different people on the team contribute in that way, they're bringing a different perspective that might be interesting or resonate with a different part of your audience that you didn't even know about, or they're just adding some spice to your normal um, blog. So they're just, it's always important to have other people on your team contribute, not only for their expertise, but their different perspective and their personality. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Marcus Sheridan, who is one of my favorite people um, in terms of marketing. And early on, he was using HubSpot. And if you don't know Marcus Sheridan, look Marcus up. He's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal speaker. He's written a couple of books. And um, I don't have his title, the title of his book, top of my uh, brain at the moment, but it's about answering questions. And I think that there's such an opportunity for sales professionals to be contributing to blog posts and content because they're talking to prospects and customers. They know what's being asked, right? They're answering those questions. And that's a great way for them to stand out. We also, you have a couple of clients who have written books and like pulling their books apart, right? And and I don't mean that literally, I mean that, you know, figuratively, but all the great content from books, right? Like there's, there really is a lot of ways to, um, a lot of different ways to come up with content and help somebody really establish their credibility rather than just from the company. And I do think people trust people more than they trust companies and brands. Yeah, I think I think so too. Um, one of my clients, I exclusively pull content from his book for the most part. And I've been doing it for this is my 13th week. So like, you can imagine how much if you have a book, you have content, it's, it's just a matter of sitting down and doing it or getting someone on your team to sit down and do it. Because I've continually found week after week, and I post two times a week for him. So that's double 13. I'm not a math person, but, (laughs) but I mean, I've gotten so much content out of his book and I've seen his, his engagement with his posts just go up. And I think it's not only kind of a tell to who he is, but it's also that he has the level of expertise that people are looking for. Um, It's just putting the content out there in a way that's easy to digest and it's kind of broken down. So people don't have to go out and read a book every time they want to learn something. Mm Mm-hmm. And you take that content and you create images for it, correct? Yeah. So um, for him and for what I found just to work in general, I kind of try to take subtitles or something that's a a big overarching idea, or maybe it's a stat, a, a percentage, something that really breaks down the topic so that it catches people's attention first whenever they're scrolling. So I try to make sure that it incorporates some sort of shape or statistic number, something that's going to grab someone's attention first. And then, and it really simplifies the overall idea that the post is about. And then the post is what does the heavy lifting. That's what does the work of explaining the topic that everyone wants to know about. Right. And so have you seen that the engagement has increased using these images? And I think some of them are templates, right? Like you create an an image a look and feel, yeah. for example, for that client. And then, and that's what you do for Intero. And then you just update it with new content. So they're like mini infographics. Yeah, for the most part. And I think I found in the beginning when I was starting to create weekly content for Intero in terms of getting on that content schedule, I was creating new graphics for every single um, quick tip. And I found it was taking so much of my time. And I was like, I need to find a way that is on brand with who we are, but also speaks to the person who's telling the quick tip. So putting in their image um, and their name and their their uh, title so that there's a little bit of a personalization, a, a name to a face kind of element, and then just make it look nice in a way 
that's not going to become outdated. So, and that was so easy for me to do once I got that template down and I was like, okay, I like this. Now every week, if we have one or two quick tips, I just go in and I repurpose that template. And then this past week was the first week in four months that I decided to read the template to give us something new, something fresh. So you can use that template for a while. And then once it becomes old or not old, but just to, you know, and you, update, you just do it. Um, it takes like maybe 15 extra minutes if you really want to get into it. And then you have a new template for the next three, four months. So it's really beneficial, I think, to use something like we talked about last week, Canva, where you can hold that template in there. And all you have to do is duplicate the image, change the colors around a little bit, change the picture, change the content. That's the most important part. And then download it and, up and post it. And if people have not listened to my episode with Jim Cusick, we did a couple probably last month about vanity metrics and, and really talking, diving into content too. So I would definitely listen to those if you missed out on that. Sarah, everybody wants engagement. Everybody talks about um, not getting great engagement. What's your thought on that? I think... Like I said last time, it takes consistency and patience and time. Um, that's definitely something that people don't want to hear. I think that they, they're like, what's the secret sauce? But they're really, there's no, it's going to take time and consistency for you to interact. And, and you have to analyze the audience that you're hitting each time you post. So there's a few things that I would say um, that you need to do every single time you post. First, make sure that image is engaging, concise, but is going to grab someone's attention whenever they're scrolling through the feed because that's what's going to make someone stop on your post. It's not. It's probably not going to be the words. And then the second part I would say is that hook. That's that's the next step. Like, make sure you have a hook or an intro into your post that's a question, um, thought provoking, so that people want to click that see more button and expand your post and really read what you have to say. If you're promoting a service, I would say definitely um, link your company page at the end of the post and kind of give some insight on what you do and how you can help them solve the problem. And then lastly, I would obviously include your hashtags so that you can expand your reach. But lastly, I would say click on that views of your post after your post has been up for a while and kind of see who you're hitting, see if it's the right people, see if it's the right market. So LinkedIn allows you to see not who exactly viewed your post, but you can see how many views you had and then where those people work. You can see what location they're in and then you can see their job title. So if you're targeting someone, um, say in cybersecurity, you're going to want to make sure that those people are in the location that you want and they're working at the offices that are in that location. So you can do a little bit of research, make sure that those people are in your target audience. But then if they're not where you want them to be, consider how you can change your post um, to maybe hit those people. So maybe the topic isn't what they want to hear about. So do some industry research on hot topics and make sure that you kind of just change it up and figure out what's going to resonate with that audience. Because at the end of the day, um, it's they're only going to read what they want to read. So you have to make sure you're engaging them um, with content that they actually want to see. And somebody could be sharing content or putting up content, and they actually don't have a network that that content is designed for, right? Right. So that is also important. Um, I was working with somebody uh, yesterday that when we actually looked at their network, 
their network was so all over. Uh, it was very broad. It wasn't really dialed in to match their ideal client. Mm-hmm. So number one, they're not going to get that much engagement. Number two, it's, it's just not relevant. Right. So paying attention to both the content and your first level connections, you know, kind of important at some right. point, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, those hashtags can only get you so far, unfortunately. Um, the people who are actually taking the extra time to look into those hashtags probably have another motive behind that. So they're probably not looking, they may be looking for content related to that hashtag, but they might very well not be. They might be looking for people to interact with that um, have a common goal as you do. So they could be your competitors. So I think you have to um, not rely so much on the hashtags to broaden your audience. They're a great boost, but at the end of the day, it's going to be your network that's really important. And also who's engaging in your network that's going to kind of push your post even further. Exactly. Because while the hashtags help LinkedIn understand what that post is about, LinkedIn is really only going to push that out to more people if there's engagement. Right. Right. So we saw somebody yesterday who only has just a little over 300 first level connections, put a post up and had over 3,200 views on that post. Yeah. It was incredible. Right. That's unusual. May not happen again for this person. It probably hopefully will. But her network was very, very specific. And and recently, or um, I think it's what the post was about was the book that she's publishing, and it can be pre-ordered on Amazon. So she has a lot, a lot of expertise in a very specific area. That was her network. And everybody started to engage. What it did did we notice she had over 96 comments yeah. reactions? Yeah. And I think she, I think she had 40 comments and she had like 96 reactions or more. So she, she had a ton, ton of engagement and those comments, like they boosted her probably over the moon. So I think that definitely was a big driver for her. Right. And I don't recall, um, correct me if I'm wrong. There were no hashtags in that. I don't believe so. So there, um, that's actually a great example Smaller network, but super specific network. People, a highly engaged network. These people do know her. Mm -hmm. She probably did better with that one post than somebody who has a very, very large network where they actually don't know anybody. Yeah. Right. And so that actually really illustrates the point about high engagement needs to first be among the people that you're connected to. You have to know the people you are connected to. And that post and what she published, they were, you know, given her, you know, high fives and congratulations because, because they know her. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say even another way to kind of see, see how your posts are doing or see how your engagement's going is to look at your profile views also and see if those increase. So I have a client, She we did her profile back in, I want to say March, and she hadn't been on LinkedIn in a year. I don't even think she goes on her own LinkedIn. I'm just resharing content for her from her partner. And I just wanted to see how she was doing in terms of engagement because I noticed that 
she had like a lot of messages, a lot of notifications that she wasn't really checking in on, but I was still posting for her um, twice a week. So I looked and she had in the last month, 90 profile views and she hasn't been on it in a year. And so that in, in general just told me that people are viewing her posts and they're, they're taking that post. Maybe they're not viewing the post even, maybe they're not engaging it, but they're going to her profile to learn more um, about what she's doing, where she's working, her specialties, and maybe they'll refer her or maybe they'll take her profile one step for, further for their own business. Um, you never know. But it is important to kind of track some other metrics on your profile and see where you're getting your engagement at. Because the more that you start to show up, the more people are going to are going to become interested and they're going to have you front of mind now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great a great point. And when you think about company page, so my guess is more often than I, you go into our company page and look at the analytics and what's happening with those posts. So can you talk a little bit about what you do from the company side to look at and understand those posts? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so from the company side, I for our page, I end up posting um, probably on average, I would say four times a week on that page. It's more about, for, for me, it's more about creating a brand that someone can come to us and see the expertise that we do. And we have people that um, look forward to our posts every week and share feedback on how they like the quick tips or they look forward to those. But I like to look and see what kind of engagement we're getting in terms of impressions, um, when people are interacting with our posts the most. And then um, you can kind of see the amount of clicks that we get but it really breaks down your posts um, analytically in terms of a, a graph. And you can see on like Tuesday, our posts might have had XYZ interactions at a certain time. But then on Friday, we had a different time that it had a level of engagement. So kind of taking those in and seeing when the best time is to post for us. Also seeing when the most people are online and see our, seeing our posts. But overall, I just want to establish our credibility on our company page so that it takes them one step further into viewing our website and actually contacting us. Mm -hmm. Right. And then from there, looking at Google Analytics to see where people are going, right? And on average, the stats say that more than 46% of traffic back to a website originates from LinkedIn in terms of social platforms. And very often I find that lots of people are not seeing where their traffic comes from. So we want people to know where the traffic comes from because it validates the the platform. I was looking at a, um, somebody asked me to look at a, a marketing firm yesterday and they didn't even have LinkedIn as a, as an icon on their website. So that kind of tells me they're not focused on LinkedIn. And number two, um, two other icon channels weren't clickable. So, you know, as a, as a marketing agency and Hey, we know this firsthand, it is hard to keep up with all of these. Right. Right. But you've got to be understanding number one, number one, where your traffic's coming from, how it, how these um, channels show up on your website. So more and more, we're seeing this connection between content and you know using your website and whether it's linkedin or it's another social channel they all have to work together yeah and they all kind of feed one another mm-hmm. 
right? So what what are your thoughts on that? I kind of went all over with that statement, but. Well, I think um, this is something that we talk about a lot, but usually if you're, if someone comes to your company page, they're looking for, um, they're interested in a service or learning more about the culture if they want to work for you, but they're interested in learning more, but that company page is really only a stepping stone, if you will, to your website. So not having your website mirror your LinkedIn, not only LinkedIn, your mirror your LinkedIn company page, but take it a step further and um, make sure everything's working correctly. Make sure that your brand is cohesive across both both LinkedIn and your website. I think that's so important because that website is really where people are going to convert. So if you're either giving too little on your company page and then taking them to your website and your website's not complete, then it's likely those people are just going to drop. They're not going to convert or reach out for more information. But if they find Colleen's LinkedIn profile and they want to learn more about the company, they might click on the company page so that they can find our website easily. Like I said, just a little stepping stone, or they might check out our posts to see if we could really help them out. But that website um, is definitely going to be what ends up making someone become a client. And so making sure that you show up across the board, um, making sure everything's optimized and clickable and doesn't frustrate someone, just making sure it's easy to use, that's just going to be what people really are going to want to take the next step after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think really, really important. We used to, and I unless you tell me I'm wrong, we're, we're not using any third-party tools like um, Hootsuite or Buffer right now. You are posting directly into LinkedIn, correct? Yeah, I do it myself. Right. So for some people and some companies using a Buffer or Hootsuite, Sprout Social, there's hundreds of these amplification um, tools that you can use so you can schedule posts because right now you can't schedule in LinkedIn. May be important. Uh, what is your thought on using those tools? I think if it if it is going to be easier for you, then I would say use it. I think that they definitely add a convenience factor for people. If you're really busy during the week and you find that you can only create content on the weekends, then use something like Buffer or Hootsuite where you can still be posting during the week, but you're not necessarily doing that, that manual labor. Like I said, consistency is key. So if you have something that's going to keep you consistent and, and keep your posts coming out, then I'm all for it. The only reason that we haven't really looked into it is I like to, I mean, I, I do so much content creation that I, I could work ahead, but um, for the most part, it's kind of week by week. So that's just the way that we've been creating it. Um, and it's easy for me to do it. it. It takes me like maybe five minutes to do a post. And you're very organized and structured. Yes. Yes. And it's what I do every day. So I mean, for for someone where content creation is um, not their first, first priority, then I understand it. Mm -hmm. Great. And, and for some, it is a challenge, right? They're really focused on, you know, and, and pulled in lots of different directions. Lots of marketing professionals are, they're kind of generalists. And so it is, um, that content is hard and it is challenging. So those tools can be helpful. So let's talk about, let's kind of wrap this up. Let's give everyone a truth, tool, and tip related to today's topic, which is kind of planning out the content. So what would be one truth that you think is really, really important? 
you're not going to hit your target audience probably first off the bat. Um, kind of testing and seeing like what's going to work and then really looking at those analytics at the end of your post and seeing where you can improve what you need to improve on. Like I said, it's patience. You have, you kind of have to test and try and see what works. And one day you, things might just take off and you might have a post that just hits a home run. Um, but most days than not, you might have just a kind of a slow roll. So just sticking with it, being consistent um, and making sure that you're hitting the right audience every time. Great. Tool. So I'm going to say tools, right? Because there's a couple of tools that help you do all of this content. Yeah. Um, Canva is obviously one of my big ones, but I will say that Airtable has kept us so organized um, and it's been really instrumental in keeping all of us on track, especially me. So I would say Airtable in terms of getting the content, the actual meat of the posts that I need on a regular basis has been amazing. Did you use a an Airtable template uh, that was already created or did you modify one or create your own? I think that I modified one because I wanted to add the calendar aspect in there and we hadn't had anything yet that had that. So I want to say I modified one of their marketing templates. Okay. Check out Airtable.com. They have hundreds of templates and then you can customize them. We have a lot of experience in Airtable and I think we've kind of taken Airtable to the next level and think it's a great tool. Canva, we pay for Canva at work. So Canva at work.com, I think it's, or Canva is the premium is it, is the work version, but definitely worth it. And one final tip, Sarah. Oh man. I think I said this last week, but it still kind of is going to, it's always going to be my tip is to be consistent. If it, if it means scheduling your posts, if it means um, sticking with it, whenever you're not getting an engagement, you, you have to be consistent all the time. Um, any marketing professional is going to tell you that. It it's, doesn't happen overnight. So just stick with it. See what works. Try some new tools. Whatever helps you to stay on track, but be consistent. And my tip for that would include really asking your sales team or salesperson, what type of content would be valuable for their prospects and customers and clients? Because a lot of times I hear from salespeople, I don't want to just share marketing content. Yeah. So, and we just had that conversation with a client where we were looking for very specific type, a uh, very specific type of content for one of their sales professionals for the month that's coming up because of conferences, right? So sometimes you have to tailor. So my tip is as marketing professionals, don't definitely engage, don't disengage from your sales team. They're often very frontline and have some good ideas on content. Yeah, absolutely. Terrific. Thank you, Sarah. This was helpful. It's always good to hear about how different people look at content and use content, but the value of content is critical more so than ever. It's also noisier than ever. So that consistency will help you cut through some of the noise and the clutter and show up more often to the people that you're trying to reach. So that consistency tip is super important. We'll be back with another episode of Standout on LinkedIn, the indispensable truths, tools, and tips you need. We hope that what we talk about here 
is something you apply, that it becomes your intention to stand out on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'd appreciate a shout out on your preferred channel, a review or comment on what you'd like to hear us discuss. As always, great conversation. I'm Colleen, signing off until our next episode. Thanks for listening. Connect with us on LinkedIn, get to know us on LinkedIn, and on our website, interoadvisory.com. We have lots of valuable content, including Insight, our membership site, and more. We'd appreciate a shout out on your preferred channel, a review, or a comment on what you'd like us to discuss. You can listen in on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and other channels. Check out our tutorials on YouTube as well. Thanks very much for being a part of Stand Out on LinkedIn.